Well, good morning. Morning, church family, first service in our online campus. So excited to be here. Isn't it amazing to worship the Lord? Baptisms next Sunday. Several of, of, of you have uh, made a profession of faith. You've taken the next step to become followers of Jesus. And so next week we're going to celebrate your baptisms. If uh, you want to get signed up for that, you can just, on your welcome card, you can fill out right there, I want to be baptized, and uh, put it in one of the giving stations, or you can get a hold of us at our website, lwconline.org, and let us know. It's a great step when you, when you take that plunge for Jesus. So today is Super Bowl Sunday. Have you noticed that? And I pan, I'm panning the audience, you know, and I'm seeing some of you that are, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing some of you that are representing your, your favorite team. I, I want to start out with a question. Um, are the Cowboys in the Super Bowl this, this year? <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Someone, someone said to me, it's coming. Yeah. Um, you know, Super Bowl Sunday, uh, uh, a lot of people are going to be watching the Super Bowl, experiencing it with excitement. Um, but I think that on Super Bowl, we should always remember that we serve a super God. And it doesn't matter what Sunday it is, as long as Jesus is in your life, you can expect great things to happen. And I'm just believing that God set this date on his calendar for you. I believe that God wants to do something special in, in your life, whether you are here in person, first service, or whether you are online or you're going to be watching uh, throughout the week on our website. I just believe God has something special for you because he's a special God. And as we... Think about him. I, I want uh, uh, to talk to you about. Uh, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. That's the title of my message. I want us to go to John's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. You can go in your Bible, you can go in your Bible app. You can go right there in your notes. We have. Uh, um, the scripture there, we'll have it on the screen. We, we, we try to make it easy for you to get in your word because it's the word of God that changes our lives. You know, we are a church that uh, we exist because we want to love, we want to empower, we want to transform people with God's living word. Because at the end of the day, that's what doesn't change. Did you know that? God's word remains the same and it will fulfill the work that God called it to do. So we want the word to be the basis of everything that, that, we, that we do and everything that we say. Um, being people of the word grounds you through the difficulties, through the good times, no matter what we're facing. The word of truth is what, is what gets us through. So let's talk a little bit about the Super Bowl as we, as we turn our pages to the word. Uh, how many of you are going for the Bengals? Just a big, woot, woot, Bengals. Evan McPherson. Hasn't missed a field goal all, all playoffs. 
man of God, he loves the Lord. Everything he gives, he gives glory to God in everything that he does. Be watching for him as you watch the Super Bowl today. And you're eating your, uh, your hot wings and, you know, all the goodies. How, how many of you going for the Rams? Any Rams in here? Woot, woot. Right? Cooper Cup. Have you watched Cooper Cup? You watched the playoffs? It was amazing. The, the receptions that, that Cooper Cup made, he has more receptions than any receiver in the, ever in one year. Man of God, he loves the Lord Jesus. Why do I represent the Seahawks? Go Hawks! I represent number three because Russell Wilson loves the Lord. Gives glory to God. And we should be looking at those markers, I believe, as we, as we navigate through life. Because I'm telling you, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. When, when you have... It's projected 184 million people that will be watching the game. There's a lot of people that are connected to the NFL. There's a lot of people that have been turned off by the NFL. There's a lot of things that are going on in this, in this, in this world. But, hey, can I tell you, there's, in, in, in life, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And as Christians, we look for the what? For the good. And we represent with the... With the good, and, and we know that there's 184 million people that are, that are going to be watching the, the, the biggest game and the biggest stage in pro sports. And how many of you know that sometimes it takes a miracle to get into the Super Bowl? Especially sometimes to win the Super Bowl. And if I was a betting man which I haven't bet in a long time, but if I was, I would say that uh, there are going to be some churched and unchurched people, maybe even some atheists, that will be watching their favorite team today, and at some point they will be praying for a miracle. <laughs> They'll be praying for McPherson to... To make that kick or for Cooper Cup to make that catch. Some, of, some people call it a Hail Mary catch. How many of you were uh, around in the 70s? 1972 to be exact. The Immaculate Reception. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Oakland Raiders and Terry Bradshaw threw the ball. He didn't know where he was throwing it. It hit someone in the face mask and it bounced off him. And who caught the pass? Franco Harris caught the pass, number 32 for the Steelers. And he ran all the way for a touchdown. And everyone went, woohoo! They thought they were going to lose. They were praying for a miracle. And as awesome as the game is going to be, and I believe it's going to be an awesome game, when all the cheering is said and done, each fan will turn off the game, turn to other channels, and they'll go to their lives, even the players and the coaches. And what's going to happen is that many are still going to be in need of a miracle. And I believe that there are people that are watching, there are people that are here, that you're in need of a miracle.
And Jesus Christ is the source of your miracle. That's why our Super Bowl is constant. We, we play on the biggest stage in life because it's an eternal stage. And we understand that we need the greatest coach in life. And that's God himself. And God will come and he will help us. He will, he will strengthen us. He will lead us and direct us. And, and just whatever we're facing. See, <clears throat> those players, they'll come off the, they'll come off the field and, and, and they've been facing 250-plus linebackers and they are anxious about when they're going to get hit and all the things they've prepared for it. But can I tell you that life has a way of bringing not maybe 250-pound athletes to hit us, but there are things that we face in life that take the air out of us. They fill you with anxiety. They fill you with, with, with fears. They fill you with all kinds of uncertainty. And I'm going to tell you, you can be certain of this, that Jesus will be with you every step of the way, no matter what you're facing today and no matter what tomorrow brings. And we're going to see this in the, in the narrative of, of Scripture. We're going to see the first miracle that Jesus did. And, and it, it, when you read it, it really kind of hits religious people kind of, it, it makes you kind of, uh, you know, it makes your, your spiritual choners and your spiritual underwear just kind of get, because he, they talk about things right there that, that church, churches get real uncomfortable with. Why, why would he do that for his first miracle? When we read, you're going to be looking at that and, and some of you are going to say, no, 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 that's grape juice that he made. Why did he turn his first miracle, turn the water into alcohol? Why did he do that? Because that was the need at the moment. And he met the need of the moment. And it would glorify his name. So, so we're going to find out that there's a need for the moment. Some of you guys might need something with having to do with, with, with the way that your mind works. Some of you may have something, a, a need with the way your, your heart is. Or you may have a need with, with your children and, and, and maybe relationships. And, and some of you are torn. You're torn with all kinds of tension and all kinds of bitterness and strife. And what's going on in this world. And, and God wants to heal you because you need a miracle. So I'm asking you for a favor right now. Take off your religious wardrobe. Just take it off right now. And come to Jesus openly as a person who needs the living God. Who's expecting for him to do what only he can do in your life. Because that's exactly what was going on here. Let's, let's read the narrative. Chapter 2, verse 1. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee... Oh, that's pretty fitting for today. Today is February the 13th. Tomorrow is February the 14th. Valentine's Day. Husbands, you better have got your flowers and your cards, I'm telling you right now, or something for your honey. Because it's a special day. We should be celebrating them. So here we go. There's a, there's a wedding, right? And Jesus' mother was there. 
And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Do me a favor in your outline. Why don't you underline invited? There's a power in the invite. Remember last week we talked about the power of an invite. They invited Jesus and his disciples because they maybe were expecting that something special might happen. Verse 3, the wine supply ran out during the festivities. Everyone go, oh, oh, oh my goodness. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Has your mom ever told you that? Verse 4, dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. I, 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 I kind of laugh at this, uh, this part right here because look at how his mom replies, right? Have you ever said something to your mom like, mom, I'm not ready, and your mom just, she just moves, go ahead and do this. <laughs> Jesus said, my time has not yet come, verse 5. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. I'm not going to put you on the spot, son, but you know what I mean, take care of it. There's no more wine, but do whatever he tells you to the servants. And standing nearby were six stone water jars, and they were used for Jewish ceremonial washing. And each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. And there's a, there's a, a theological implication right there, uh, because these, these, these jars were used for, for cleansing. And, and, and there's a lot more to this miracle than just Jesus turning water into wine. There's a, the cleansing that Jesus does on the inside of our body and our soul. And how the wine represents a new thing. He does new things in our life. He, he, he takes us away from a, a boring existence. New wine brings a very vibrant existence. And if you're not vibrant about Jesus, you need some new wine. You need for Jesus to, to do something in your life. Jesus told the servants, verse 7, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. That's a takeaway right there. How many of us follow the instructions of Jesus? When he says those little things, it's because they're important to us. Amen? Verse 9, when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine... For you religious people that say, no, no, he turned it into grape juice. No, people don't get excited about grape juice. <laughs> Not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over and he said, a host always serves the best wine first. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink and their taste buds have softened, their taste buds have been deadened. Then they bring the best wine or the less, the, the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. You've kept the best until now. Just tell your neighbor, Jesus does the best. Yeah, Jesus does the best. 
In verse 11, the, this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time that Jesus revealed his glory. And his disciples, what? That's weak. The disciples believed in him. Oh, that the Lord would do a miracle today so that we could trust him more. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. Jesus had brothers. You notice who the focus is on right here? It's, it's not on Mary. Many of us were raised, and you may be watching today that you're raised, or maybe you're maybe even in, uh, even in this mindset that, that, that Mary is a miracle worker. No, Mary pointed to Jesus. There's only one who does miracles, and that's Jesus Christ. There, there's only one who should receive the glory, and that's, that's Jesus. And, and so I, I want to talk about the need of a miracle, because I need miracles from time to time. I, I need God to move in ways that are beyond my ability. And I want to talk about three power or powerful realizations. What do we have to realize for these miracles to occur in my life? And let me, let me just, just with a show of hands, how many of you would say that you believe that God still does miracles? Just with a, with a show of hands. That's beautiful to see. Because I think we have to believe that God is able. He's able to do what we can. The, 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 first, the first realization is realize your need. Have you ever heard someone say, I, I need a miracle? Or maybe something like this, it's going to take a miracle. And when you realize and you recognize the need for a miracle in your life, it points you to believe in someone who's bigger. You acknowledge you need someone bigger and more powerful for your, your marriage to work. I may be speaking to someone today and, and your marriage is in shambles. Your marriage is, is, is pretty much well done and you need a miracle for it to work. You, you may need a miracle to, to, to navigate through a divorce because the marriage hasn't worked. And let me, let me tell you that divorce is not the end when God's involved. If you're in here and you've been divorced and you've been left, let me tell you that God is bigger and he can walk you through this. And he can help you and strengthen you in your time of need. Let me say this again, that you're not a second-class citizen if you've been divorced because we serve a God of restoration. You may be saying it's going to take a miracle to get out of this financial mess that I'm in. It's going to take a miracle for me to be healed from this illness that I have. Whether it be cancer, whether it be uh, maybe a, a brain disease, whether it be liver disease, whatever it may be. Let me tell you that God is still in the miracle working business. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
You may be saying, I, I need a miracle to overcome this depression that I'm in, and every day seems like a dark day. Every day you wake up and you hope that the cloud is lifted and that cloud never lifts, and you go through the day with a fake smile or whatever you're doing to, to, to kind of cope. Let me tell you that God is able to give you a joy that only comes from him. His joy is very present and available for you. Maybe you, you need a miracle. You say it's going to take a miracle to find a new job. Why do I say all these things? Because there was a need for Jesus' first miracle, and the need was that the wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mom told him they have no more wine. Did Jesus care about the wine? Jesus cares about the people. Mary cared about the wine. <laughs> she said, son, they, they, they ran out of, out of, out of wine. And, and don't act like you don't know about this need. There were a lot of Super Bowls where I said, we can't run out of the wine. And before I was following, following the light of Jesus, I was following the Bud Light and Michelob Light. So don't, don't act like if, that, like if this isn't something that, that people don't deal with. Amen? There was, a, there was an immediate need for that wedding. That need was wine. And as we see, there, there are spiritual implications, like the, like the jars that held the water, they were for ceremonial cleansing. I talked about that. The wine represented uh, this new wine. Think about it. it was, they didn't have it. The old wine had finished, and now Jesus produced what? New wine. When, when, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he gives you New wine. He gives you a new purpose. He gives you a new passion, a new excitement. And how many of us need some excitement in our life? You know, it's sad to me when people get more excited about a Super Bowl than people get excited about Jesus. And I'm talking to the church now. Are we excited about Jesus? Do we believe that he can do what no one can do? That's what this miracle is about. Jesus can do what no person can do. But let me say this to you for, for, for those of you that, you know, you're, you're, you're spiritually up here and you're saying, well, Pastor, there's, there's a spiritual application to this. There's, you just don't understand that it really wasn't wine like we have right now. It was more like grape juice, because I've heard that over and over and over again. Let me tell you, them, those people in there, they were buzzing. <laughs> and let me say this. Let me say this, that Jesus, that, that those people in there, they didn't care about the spiritual application. You know what they cared about? More wine. And let, let, me, let me say this to you that's also important, beloved that you don't need to know all the Greek involved here. You just need to know that Jesus can change your life. 
See, that, that, that's where we miss it sometimes is, is that we, we, we want, oh, just give us something that's way up here. Let me tell you, God wants to meet you where you're at. I went and got a, a haircut this, this past week and uh, that, that the barber, the, 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 the town barber, great guy, and he's a young guy, you know, all kinds of young people are on the chair waiting to get their, their haircut. This guy walked in, this young man, and, and we start to talk, and he says to me, hey, he, know, he knows me, he says, hey, pastor, I haven't, I haven't drank in 30 days. I said, that's awesome, bro. He said, yeah, man. He said, I was st- starting to black out, and, and uh, I knew after the third time I blacked out, there, there needed to be a change in my life. And so he, he had just walked out, you know, he walked out from the barbershop, and he, he went and met with someone. He said, yeah, I, I went and got a little bit of, of, uh, of marijuana, he said, because, you know, I'm, I'm just smoking a little bit just to keep, take, the, take the, 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 the anxiety away. And I said, well, you know, whatever you got to do, bro. And so I'm just, I'm just talking, and, he's, and I say, I haven't drank in 28 years. I said, Jesus took it from me. Jesus, Jesus set me free from that. And, and as we talked about it, so, but not only are we having this conversation, because it's a loud conversation, but everyone in every chair is listening. And the barber is grooming, and he, he goes back, and you know, he's kind of, yeah, yeah, you know, I probably need to stop too. And, and, and we keep on talking, and they start to, this is young people in their, tw- in, their, in their late 20s and early 30s, they start talking about the state of our country and what's going on in the in Ukraine and, and in Russia, and they're talking about that, and they start to say things where you know that God is working in their life. And they start saying, we need change in our country. Can I tell you that people are not foolish. Young people aren't foolish. They know when things start going bad. And as we, as we talked, I said, you know what, I'm not gonna get political with you, but we know who we need in, in our country. We need Jesus. And we need people, I'm, I'm getting my hair cut by this time, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not pointing. I'm not, like this, and they're fading me up and doing all this, put the line. See, the line's got to have that line. And, and as they're doing that, I'm saying, you know, we need Jesus, and, and, and we need people in there who, who put Jesus first. That's right, that's right, that's right. See, we all have something going on in our lives where we need a miracle. Those, those guys that we, I was talking to, they needed a miracle. That, that individual that, that's blacked out three times, he didn't start there. He started partying in high school, and, and, and one lit thing led to another. He got hooked on meth, amphetamines, which he kicked. And he started doing a little bit of other things. He said, you know, cocaine and things like that. And, and think, I, I've done so much research about these, these things because I want to know more. Like with cocaine, you know, the, the dopamine that it does. It produces dopamine, so it makes you happy. But the problem with that is that happiness only lasts for a moment, and then you crash. All of us need dopamine. Did you know that? God has given us that chemical to make us, make us happy, but the greatest, the greatest dopamine reaction that you ever have, and this is proven, is when you worship God. So when people come in to a church, when people come into a place where Jesus is centered, they leave happier and better. You know why? Because Jesus is there, and he shows up. 
But there are, there are a lot of things that we're going through, whether it's your marriage, your, uh, your divorce, your finances, your illness, your mental health. You have to recognize that there is a need for a miracle in your life. And the only way to fix it, to remedy the problem, is through the supernatural power of God. The whole thrust of, of John's narrative is for you to know that Jesus is able to remedy the problems in our lives that are bigger than us. The Apostle Paul, as he wrote to the church in Ephesus, he said this. He said, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ever ask or think. How, how many of you believe that? That there is a God that can do far more above abundantly anything that we could ever ask or think. Nothing is bigger than God. Here's a second realization. Realize that God doesn't have to do a miracle, but he can. God's not a genie in the bottle. God's not this, this, this uh, entity that, that you tell him what you want and it happens because you want it. Everything that God does is because of his sovereignty and because of his goodness. You don't tell Jesus what to do. You ask him and believe him to be able to do what you can't do in your life. And every miracle that God does in us is to reveal his glory. Let's look at this powerful conversation. Let's see how powerful this conversation is. Verses 4 and 5. Dear woman, that's not, that's not our problem. Right? My time has not yet come. Man, that's good. How many of you in here have ever asked the question, God, where are you? We got one honest person. Yeah. You're, you're in, a, in a situation, in a circumstance, in a trial, and you're saying, God, where are you? And, and Jesus is having this dialogue with his mom. His mom says, hey, they, they, they have, there's a need here. They need more, more wine. And Jesus says, what does that have to do with me? My time has not yet come. And, and there's this conversation. That's, that's beautiful to me because there's someone in here and you've been waiting and you've been thinking. And you, someone's even been talking to you about your need for God. And you're like, okay, where is he at? Let me tell you, he's here. And he's always been there. And he's going to show you just how amazing he is. Let's, let's keep on reading. But his mother told his servants, do whatever he tells you. That's a very important takeaway for me. Because I've got some situations in my life that are bigger than me. In fact, I have some situations that I dealt with in 20, uh, 2020 and 2021 that, that I have never had problems sleeping. And I went through a time, I've been going through a time. I'm better now, thank the Lord Jesus. 
I'm able to sleep at night. And I'll tell you, those, those little things, man, they become big things. You know, you need sleep. My wife and I were talking as we came up this morning. We were talking about the, the, those small things that become big things. You know, I, I, sleep is so important. When you don't have sleep, you, you become irritable. You become, I mean, you can't think straight. You have all these things. Uh, when, little things like uh, how many of you know that we need a bowel movement? No, seriously, I'm, I'm being serious. You, you guys think it's funny. We all, if you don't have it, let me tell you, you're going to be wishing you did. And those, those, those small things, those needs that we have, all of us, they become big. So when you, when, when you have these problems going on in your life and you're struggling trying to get through them, God is here. God doesn't have to do a miracle, but he can. Some of you have been struggling. You've been struggling with, with something in your life, and, and you can't get along with people. You just, things happen all the time, and, and you think it's them because you can't get along with them, but then you can't get along with them, and then you can't get along with them, and you think, man, it's them. I can't believe they, them. I just can't get along with everybody. It's not them. And you're saying, God, why? Where are you? You know, let's go back to that point right there. Some people think that God has to heal. God doesn't have to do anything. He's God. But God can heal. I want you to just think with me, beloved. Think with me. Those two years that I talked about in my life that have been difficult, and believe me, they're nothing like some of you. Some of you guys have gone through some real big trials, but I went through a big trial. And as, 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 as I've gone through, God has not wasted one of those moments, one of those minutes in the two years. You see, God doesn't have to heal, but he can. And God's timing is perfect. Whatever you're facing, you need to know that God's timing is perfect. And God does his healing in a perfect way. And it's his grace, it's God's grace and his mercy that heals us. He doesn't have to. There, there's a place in, 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 uh, in the, the, the Gospels where lepers and, and blind people would, would come to Jesus. And there's this place, and, and as Jesus was approaching, uh, as he approached Jericho, there was a blind beggar that was sitting beside the road. And, and when he heard the noise of the crowd going past, he asked what was happening and they told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by so he began shouting Jesus son of David have mercy on me Jesus son of David have mercy on me notice he didn't say Jesus heal me he said have mercy on me and the people in front yelled at him be quiet but he shouted louder son of David have mercy on me and when Jesus heard him, he, he stopped and he ordered that the man be brought to him. And as the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus and he was praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. 
But what stands out to me right there is he didn't demand, Lord, heal me. He said, have mercy on me. I don't deserve this. I know who I am, and you're perfect. And here's the thing, beloved, that whatever need we have, when we come to God and we say, Lord, have mercy on me, he will. He cares. Jesus is your answer. God doesn't have to do a miracle in my life, but I know that he can. The things that I've been navigating through that, that maybe I don't talk to everybody about, but that I'm facing, I keep trusting every day that I serve a God of miracles and a Savior who loves me. And I'm going to say this to you because I don't know what you're navigating through, but you do. And you might be thinking, you know, uh, how am I going to get through this day? How am I going to get through this situation? I may be talking to someone online and you're just facing this difficulty. You need to know that God can do a miracle in your life. And maybe today is the day of a miracle. Here's the third realization. Realize that every miracle that Jesus does points us to believe in him. Everything that, that God has done in the life of James Reese, miraculously, and he's done many things, has made my faith stronger in him. So that when I go through other challenges, I default and I go back to those times when I saw the hand of God move in my life. The miracle that God is going to do in your life today is because he wants for you to believe in him. And let me tell you, I'm going to say this to somebody. You've had a hard time believing. You've struggled with your faith. Someone, someone might even say, I'm an atheist. Let me tell you, you wouldn't be here if God didn't bring you here. And you all, we all believe something. When you're an atheist, you believe that there is no God, but your life will reflect that there is no God in your life. And God has brought you here so he can prove to you that he's real and that he's powerful. You know what's crazy is that John, in his gospel, he chose seven miracles. As we go through the narrative, seven miracles. And every one of them, he, he, the Holy Spirit had him write them down. And everyone pointed for people to believe in Jesus. This is what, what he writes. It's a thesis of the book. In chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, he said this. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miracle signs in addition to the ones that are recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of God. Of his name. The miracles that he's going to do today, you'll never forget that it is him who did it. I really struggle with people that say that Jesus doesn't do miracles anymore. I struggle with that because. 
God doesn't change, people do. God doesn't get tired, people do. He doesn't have to do a miracle, but he can. And that miracle that he's going to do in your life, that miracle that he's going to do in your life that are watching online is going to be a, a testimony to the greatness of Jesus. See, you see, he's alive. He's alive. In, in John's narrative in chapter 10, he says this. He says, if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works that I've done. This is Jesus talking. Even if you don't believe me, He's talking to those that were, that were seeing the evidence of everything that he was doing. If you don't believe my words, believe on me because of what I do. He keeps on going. He says this, then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So I want to I I close the service and I, I'm going to uh, call the elders and their wives up. Because I believe that this Super Bowl Sunday is a great opportunity for God, the super God, to show up here. And I want the elders and their wives to come up right now, and we're going to have some time of prayer. And if you're in need of a miracle, I want to pray with you. We want to pray with you and trust the Lord to do what only he can do. As, as Shauna starts to, uh, to play, uh, before I go down there, I'll be going down there. Terry and, uh, and, and Chris, will you come up as well? <clears throat> For those of, you, those of you that are watching online, I, I want to pray. I want to pray with, with you as well. I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit direct me and, and guide me um, Father God, thank you for every person that is, that is watching online. That, Lord, I believe it's ordained for them to be hearing this message. I, I believe that there is someone that is in need of a miracle. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for that person that, uh, that needs a miracle in their, in their marriage. I pray, Lord, that you will move like only you can and and I pray for hearts to, to be moved and stirred in a way that only you can do that. Maybe there's someone, Lord God, that's watching right now and you, you're, you're divorced and, and you feel like if everyone's abandoned you. And you might even feel like if God has abandoned you. Right now, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you, Lord, that you touch their hearts and their lives. That they will know that you're, a, that you're one that will never leave us nor forsake us. I pray for them right now. In Jesus' name. And we pray, Lord God, also, I pray right now for that person that's watching that maybe has a financial hardship. I, I pray that you will move in their life as well. Intervene like only you can, Lord. You're the God of miracles, and we pray for that. And also that person that has an illness, and maybe you, you're at a place right now that, that there's no hope, you believe because of a diagnosis that you've received. We also pray right now, not, not because of me praying or, or, or manipulating anything, but in the name of Jesus, we pray that bodies will be touched right now. Whether it be cancer, Lord, we pray for that cancer to be removed in the name of Jesus. We pray for, for uh, maybe uh, diabetes, uh, whatever, Lord, is they're facing. Maybe it's a liver disease. 
loop us, Lord. I just pray in the name of Jesus that you touch their body. And if that's you, I, I just right now where you're sitting or standing, you can just raise your hand and say, I, I need that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to go down and I'm going to invite everybody right now that wants to come up for, for prayer. For you to come.